How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Hey, thanks for spending Wednesday night here with us on Tech 5 Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsten. And this is Audrey Rousseau. So, Audrey, I tell you what, over the past few months, you've been in and out of the office a lot. I've been trying to track you down, and I can't always find you. And then I find out that you're, like, hanging out with a lot of different tech companies in Pittsburgh, and you've been kind of surveying new hires who have been recruited from outside of Pittsburgh. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, Audrey's up to some research again. And I like this because I know it is near and dear. It is your passion that we draw as many people to Pittsburgh from around the world as we possibly can. And you're, you're leaving no stone unturned to find strategies and ways to do that. So what have you been up to? So so here's the situation. The situation, and just to set the table really quickly, right. growth matters, attracting people to a lot of the opportunities that are in this region that are developing matters. You need people. You need people who want to be here. And we don't produce enough of those kinds of people who actually can help develop some of these companies. We do amazing things here, and we have incredible companies, and there are some of the best and brightest people in the world working to solve just problems that only people can imagine, from autonomous vehicles to to solving, you know, really hard problems in life sciences and curing things. But What's really interesting to me is that we have just been sort of tapping our way in terms of this growth. We haven't been soaring. And I'm not saying that we need to soar. I'm saying we need to grow a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, exactly. We a little bit. A little bit. Oh, it's we need to not sad. be declining. It's kind of sad when you say that. I mean, you're bringing a tear to my like. No, but we, we need, need to grow, grow a little bit. But the said, good news a little bit. is, is I that, want to say soaring. But some of the, gr- the, the grand oh, news is, is that so many of these companies are attracting people. They actually really are. I know. And while the numbers might not be revealing, I am passionate about meeting them. Yes. I want to talk to these people and find out, what do you think? Exactly. And so my criteria was, I cast a wide net, and my criteria was, could I come, buy a pizza, what kind, of, what kind of pizza did you bring? I don't know. It was delivered, but they were happy. They said, if you feed us, we're happy to come. We'll, we'll tell you anything you want yeah, to know. Yeah, so have them come and just really, you know, sort of have an informal conversation around the table yeah. and talk about what do you like about Pittsburgh. And these people can be – have just moved here within six months yeah. or within maybe three to four years. Three to four years. That's okay. sort of my time frame. I gotcha. You know? Okay. And – they are all they have to all be people who have you know the jobs the job titles that are really missing in terms of demand so okay. they're computer yeah. scientists they're um, software people with engineers. advanced software engineers yeah. advanced advanced kind of skills that you know the world needs the, the world needs yeah. these jobs right. 
so so fascinating that like I'm not ready. I'm just going to tease you with some of the information. That's I'm a, not. I, this is yeah, not. You're still in scientific. process. I mean, this it, is not scientific. No. And you know. you're still in the process of meeting with more oh, and more companies. Oh, yes. And right? if you're listening and you want to reach out to me and you've just moved here and you want to be a part of this, yes. just send me an email. Just go to our website yeah. at pghtech.org. Go to the website and you'll find go me Go to there. the About Us, Audrey's and Contact. just right? contact me. But what's so fascinating is it really depends on where you last moved from. Oh, okay. Interesting. So that's the piece huh. that's really fascinating. So if well, I guess you it moved makes here sense. from L.A. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right? You said, as one kind gentleman said, oh, my God, I could buy like a neighborhood. I could buy a neighborhood. I could buy a neighborhood here. <laughs> Almost. Right? <laughs> for what he spent for, for what like he a two-bedroom in, in right, some place. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> um, and, and that was sort of funny. Okay. And that, and there are some people who come here. Like I met one gentleman from Utah and he said, wow, you really have a lot of traffic. <laughs> well, and, we kind of do and now. Yet, and yet other people, depending upon where they come from, from northern Virginia are like, this or is nothing. from the West Coast are like, traffic. <laughs> this is just a little hiccup. Right, right, right. right? right. So that's sort of fascinating. But well, there's a couple of common themes. Okay. A couple of common themes. Not everyone wants to live in the city. No. Everyone, whether they have kids or not, want great schools. Of course. Yeah, I mean, that goes without saying. Right. So that's something that matters to us in the city. And, th- but, and, th- and that probably then drives some people outside the yes. city. So why yes. their people are saying they're living, they're choosing right. the suburbs, right? right? So that's okay. really a common Makes thing. Makes sense. I like that. And they're, they're concerned about on-ground transportation. The fact that we don't have easy ways to, to around, yeah. not use your vehicle, you know, a car. Yeah, exactly. Meaning yeah. What, what else do we have? And that there's, it's just unreliable. So from point to point, it becomes unreliable. Interesting. And right. So even if they live in the suburbs, they want to be able to use a bus. What's the furthest away someone that you've talked to has moved to Pittsburgh? What location? Uh, cranberry. Cranberry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because uh, people like that. They oh. actually – people from the West Coast, what's interesting, yeah. tend to like that kind of that area. Kind of they sound. like to be able to use their car. Right. They like to be able to know that there's a whole bunch of well, Yeah, because in cars. Los Angeles, you live in suburbs. Right. For the most part. So it, they it's, it's sort of like that. You live in downtown. Mm-hmm. But I, I was and saying they like, like the fact that they can drive north out of Cranberry and actually be in some cool places that they imp- could – You can be in Prescott before you know it. Right. But they, I'm serious. Yeah, They're, exactly. You know, so uh, well, I was also someone brought when, up Cook Forest. Well, Cook's right. Forest is beautiful, and that's just right. a, like a half an hour drive from there. The, what I was saying was also the furthest distance away someone has come from to to be in Pittsburgh. So anyone from oh, like well, Japan, Japan. Yeah. Okay, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. that's what oh, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Someone oh, from yeah. Japan you've yeah. talked to. Someone from Japan. They must have had some interesting insights about about Pittsburgh. Well, but here's the other common theme. The other common theme is really about food. And all these people come from so many different places, but they all have a common theme that we may think we have a food scene. Right. But we don't. Well, from the standpoint of like grocery stores, maybe there – is that what you're talking They're about? They're talking about grocery stores right. and variety. Okay. You know, they were really um, – a lot of people were so like really whole, like the, farmers the, markets and getting okay. – Fresh food right. and having little kinds of shops. Like specialty type shops. Yeah, little specialty shops. And, and that the strip. I was going to say the strip the, doesn't no, cut it. The strip doesn't cut it because it's not open late enough. Whoa, interesting. And they like to be able to shop 
like at eight, Holy nine, seat. ten o'clock at night. Not like when they they're like the strip is awesome, but you can't you use can't, it. You can't buy a big wedge of cheese at midnight. Right, we want to be able to buy a big wedge of cheese. <laughs> At 11 o'clock at exactly, night and right. know that that's going to be around. Wow, that's amazing. Like that's absolutely like, amazing. That's having I've, a vibrant city. You have to keep doing this research because this could be significant. It is significant. These people all want to be here. They all are saying because they're liking the work. it so far because they, right, well, they like the work. the work. But they don't like the food scene, well, the grocery scene. The, yeah. Yeah, just having 24-7 interesting things. Like if this – if the strip was open more around the clock, yeah, and there was good transport, I have an idea for a business now. I think <laughs> it was, open. and then the other thing they talk about is that downtown is um, a, a food desert. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wait, downtown. Even though there are some, there's, I thought there's lots of restaurants. Downtown. No, no, no. There's no um, oh, like grocery, grocery stores. stores right? right? Yeah, exactly. No little kind of bodegas. No little right. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing there. So this so is, this really is just cool. the beginning. Right. So I'm just giving you a little bit of a teaser. We need regular f- reports. And I will this. give regular reports. We're definitely um, going to hear more from me on that. I'm trying to take you know some qualitative notes that maybe we can put into and see if there's any kind of patterns that we can address. Okay. But um, it's been so much fun. Like Love getting it, a chance to talk to these people and hearing their views just – it. It just keeps me on my toes. I love it, man. No, I yeah. think this is cool. And they're this is, all intact. This is how this is how things start to change. Right. Then, when people that are in your position start kind of doing the unexpected a little bit and gather some information and, and can find ways to start maybe you know, making some some actions happen around that. I think it's freaking awesome. So tonight, our show, we've got a double deep dive with Morgan Lewis talking about immigration law, so we can get more people here and keep more people here that would normally have to leave. Because, as you said, we need as many folks here from around the world, Audrey. That's just really important. And Morgan Lewis has a great immigration practice. So I'm excited to hear from them what they have to say. And we also have our guy George Potts from the Fifth Influence stopping by, talking about all the changing rules on social media when it comes to political advertising and fun stuff like that. So we're taking a quick break, and we are coming right back with Morgan Lewis. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council, and you can learn more about us at pghtech.org. We'll be right back. Oh, thank you for spending your Wednesday night here with us on Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirshner. And this is Audrey Rousseau. And Audrey, I know it's near and dear to your heart. Something and yours. And my, of course. Yes. Absolutely. The idea that we need the best and the brightest from around the world to make our tech sector happen. Simple as that. It comes down to people. Technology is nothing without the people. Right. And it's important for a region like Pittsburgh, yep. which actually has been on a slow steady decline, not an uptick, and just like many cities that are like our size. But we have so many cool things going on here, and so many people are educated right here in our backyard, and they work for the best and brightest. They are the best and brightest, and it's really important for us to keep them here. So we're going to jump into a topic with two lovely women who are here who I'd like them to introduce themselves and talk about who they work for, and what they do. So I'm going to start with. Hi there. My name is Shannon Donnelly. I am a partner with Morgan Lewis. It's one of the nation's leading law firms, and we have offices all around the United States, including right here in Pittsburgh. Um, Our practice primarily is an immigration practice within our uh, employment group, and we work not only with 
U.S.-based companies, but global companies to help move their talent around the world. And I am now leading, not I'm not just a partner in the immigration group, but I am now leading our outbound or our global practice, which means when we can't keep people here, we can help send them wherever they need to go around the world so that wow. we can retain global talent. So That's we, what I'm I need about. to talk to you offline about that then. Happy because to. we travel around the world with um, a lot of our companies and members to look at opportunities for them around the world. So most recently we were in the UK, yep. um, but we've been to places like China and to Sweden and to Spain. And Things are slowing down a little bit right now in APAC in the Asia Pacific. Right. But, That's okay. It's only now. Yeah, but there are, there are a lot of countries out there that are taking advantage of um, the U.S., position right now yeah, and our we're kind of Canada. closing our border yep Canada's wide open with Brexit UK is starting to uh, open their borders again too to increase talent so yeah. there are a lot That's of opportunities great. very much in which office are you out of I am based in the Washington DC office yeah. and you're coming into Pittsburgh to talk to us about immigration which I'm very excited about yeah you brought somebody with you who's also not always hanging out in Pittsburgh from Miami that's right my name is Laura Garvin I'm of counsel with Morgan Lewis um, I have uh, been practicing for about 15 years, and my career has been pretty much focused exclusively on employment-based immigration. And I have had the pleasure of working with Shannon uh, my entire career, so good partnership. Yeah. And Laura, you're from. And I am. I am a, a born and bred Yinzer. I'm we from, like that. We think I'm that's from pretty cool. the Pittsburgh area. So although I do, uh, I am based in Miami, beautiful Miami. Uh, I have the pleasure of being able to come up and visit our Pittsburgh office. So as it's well. great. Yeah, it's exciting up here now. I it's love probably it. Probably very the city. different. It's changed much in 15 years. It that's is. For sure. Yeah, I left in 2005, and it feels like a completely right. different city. It is. It really is. Absolutely. So let's jump into yeah, this. Yeah, let's Audrey. jump in. Let's talk about um, some of the topics, some of the things that are actually on the on the forefront of the work that you do. So where do you want to start? I'm going to lean over to Shannon. Where, where do you want to start? I think we should probably start with what's keeping our clients up at night right now. And what's keeping our clients up at night right now is the H-1B cap and the H-1B cap registration. And so for those who don't know, the H-1B visa is a visa that allows uh, our U.S.-based employers to retain professional talent. It's for individual positions that require a degree in a specific field. This is the type of visa that is typically used once someone has may have been here in the U.S. going to school, and then they tr- want to transition and stay here more permanently, and the H-1B visa is the vehicle in order to do that. And uh, this year, there have been many changes to the H-1B visa program. And I think where we need to start is, right now, Every year, there are 65,000 of these H-1B visas available. Just 65,000? Just 65,000. Why can't we just double that number? Triple it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we would need a congressional mandate. Well, come on. Let's make that happen. Okay. I don't know about that. So 65, how quickly do they go? Um, So there are 65 with an additional 20,000 for individuals who have gotten a U.S. master's degree or higher. They go typically on the very first day of submission. So one day of submission and they're snatched up. Within the last three years, I would say there have been, on average, about 200,000 applications for those 
sixty-five thousand slots. And so, what's the criteria? How do that? How do they? ascertain who gets the 65 plus the 20,000. Well, that has changed over the course of the last three years. But generally speaking, the rule is the position that you are offering must require a degree in a specific field. And that individual that you're sponsoring must have that degree. And so we see very frequently in the tech space, all of your computer scientists, your software engineers, anything having to do with computers is typically an occupation that we can't fill with just U.S. workers here in the United States. The need is everywhere. We need, so we need that talent. And, That's correct. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, so we see, I would say, even with our non-tech clients, half of the U.S. immigration programs, let's take a, you know, a financial institution, large financial institution, half of the individuals that they're sponsoring on average are going to be their IT professionals. So not, not necessarily on the finance side of the house, but they're on the tech side of the house. And so many of the H-1B visas have been allotted just because of need to tech workers. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is an important point. It, it doesn't impact the tech industry exclusively. It really does cross industries. It's affecting many, many different industries within this country. Because there's so much tech behind so it. That's right. right. Tech, exactly. tech touches almost every so industry. So give us some examples. Is it in nursing, for example? Or is it, what are some of the well, other you may examples? Have, you may have major hospitals who do have their IT services. Ah, maybe, okay. Maybe impacted. Okay. Um, so, so that's usually where we're seeing it in, in different industries. Yeah, and where we've been seeing a lot of pushback in the last few years is um, as our business models change, and so there's a lot of intersection now between business and tech, right? So you may not just have that software engineer anymore, but you might have someone who is a risk, a business intelligence analyst or a risk analyst who needs the tech side and the finance side to be able Mm -hmm. to do their job. And what we've seen is that there's some confusion or or pushback from the agencies to be able to understand, you know, when we said that you need a degree in a specific field, okay, well, now we're kind of crossing industries. So how does that impact the H-1B? That's it a gets diff- tricky as far as that goes, absolutely. That's a diff- that's a, another challenge, I guess, that we're seeing, yeah, is that the immigration system isn't necessarily keeping up with the real-world business needs. Those yeah. blended positions are – they're having trouble wrapping their arms around that. Yeah. And so that's a situ- that's the same parallel that's happening around the world in so many mm-hmm. other dimensions that that's we're right. not keeping up with what is needed and the kinds of jobs that people need to have. And we see that right in Pittsburgh. So we see the fact that, for example, um, autonomous vehicle companies need mechanics now. Mm-hmm. And you know, so no one who would have thought of that a few years. Not saying that that's an immigration issue. But it affects the whole way that people think about jobs. Absolutely. So one last thing before we go into a break. Are there country are there country specifics in terms of these these um, sixty five plus twenty thousand jobs? Are there any criteria for any country or is it all just you know, whoever gets there first and meets the criteria? And we get about thirty seconds. It's truly a lottery. I mean it doesn't the country of origin does not come in into play whatsoever in terms okay. of getting the H-1B. But obviously we're seeing certain uh, nationalities are overrepresented in the H-1B program. 
the tech industry, you know, generally we see a lot of nationals of India and China Absolutely. who are the ones who are dealing with the shortage of the H-1B more than some of the other nationalities. Excellent. Very cool. Hey, we're taking a quick break. We're coming right back with a lot more talking about immigration, H-1B stuff, hanging out with Laura Garvin and Shannon Donnelly of Morgan Lewis. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. From the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Hang on. We'll be right back after this quick break. See, Audrey, I lived up to my word. I told you. We're coming back. With more about immigration reform and things that are happening here, hanging out with Laura Garvin and Shannon Donnelly of Morgan Lewis. Thanks for continuing to hang out with us here in the Huntington Bank studio with us. Can't wait to keep this conversation going. This H-1B stuff is just super, super critical to tech in general, but especially tech in Pittsburgh. So where do we want to pick up? Let's see. We talked a little bit about what's happening in H-1B world and some of the importance in terms of particularly the tech constituency that we serve. So let's let's dig a little deeper in terms of the issues. Yeah, I think, and you know, the H-1B issues right now are having to do with the new registration system. And so in this particular fiscal year H-1B lottery, there is a change. And no longer, according to USCIS and implemented recently, was a new registration system. And that registration system allows employers to register every foreign national that they're looking to sponsor in the H-1B lottery. They have from March 1st to March 20th to do that. And if the system works, we will then be USCIS will then contact all the employers between the 20th and the 1st of April to let them know who was accepted towards the cap. In theory, Mm -hmm. this seems incredibly efficient. But I have a feeling it's not. (laughs) Well, (laughs) You said in theory. (laughs) So so just to back up, so historically the way you did the lottery was everyone actually prepared a huge paper filing and had to FedEx it into USCIS. I remember that. Yeah, so it was very time-intensive. Imagine all the envelopes stacked up there. FedEx loved it, but it was was very time-intensive, and it cost the employers. The companies had to pay um, the legal fees to prepare these petitions. So now this new registration system that Shannon is explaining, is it's electronic. It's a a database that the government has has built. So in theory, it sounds very efficient because we're not spending all the time preparing the petitions. But the question is, um, you know, how much can we actually rely on this new system? It's been fairly untested so far. Right. And so in order to prepare for this cap, we've had a lot of conversations with our our tech clients and other clients who utilize the H-1B program. And because we don't know exactly how the technology is going to roll out and whether there will be hiccups, employers have taken one of three different approaches to this year's cap. Number one, for those that are relatively conservative or for the tech companies as an example, who file thousands of these types of applications, many of these organizations have just decided to proceed sort of status quo. They're going to prepare all the paper filings so that in the event that the system crashes or it's not working, they're ready to file yeah. everything on they April 1. They got backup. They got backup. They have backup. Very cool. Okay. And frankly, I would say Do that. a majority <laughs> of our client base doing that? has done that. That makes sense. Um The second approach has been a little bit less, but a moderate, moderate approach where they're at least getting that LCA filed. The LCA is a piece of the filing 
where the employer must get certification from the Department of Labor that they are paying either the prevailing wage or the actual wage in the metropolitan statistical area where the Ah. employees will Mm -hmm. be based. And that particular piece is critical. Without that, you can't file an H-1B. Oh, wow. So for those who didn't want to go all in. Right. It kind of props the door open for you. So So how do they they access that? They would probably look to a firm like yours to help you navigate through that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then there are some who uh, are really taking advantage of the new system and I think crossing their fingers and hoping it works. (laughs) And they're just submitting their registrations. And I've seen this more in cases where, you know, it's a very small employer who's maybe sponsoring one person right. and chances of selection are probably not Pretty that low. great. So just do it this way, see what happens right. and yeah, move it. And if you're selected, if you get that notification through the registration system that the case has been selected, you have 90 days to file. So if you're just working on one case, 90 days is... That a, gives you enough time. You can exactly. call your lawyer up, get the paperwork But if you're filing hundreds happen. to thousands, yeah, 90 not, days... Not going to happen. Right right. right, 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 right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And so... You know, given the landscape right now, you know, in terms of the amount of talent, we're going to be selfish now and just talk about Pittsburgh, is we have so many people who come here from around the world that study and uh, work with some of the best and brightest. And what happens is we really can't keep them. So what are some strategies? What's, What's the advice that you two wise women attorneys would give us as we're planning and thinking about, you know, economic development and prosperity and building companies, which is the world that we're in. Okay. Um, Well, we look at a variety of things. So many of these individuals who are coming out of the universities either have, in the tech space, they're probably a STEM degree program, right? Absolutely. So they will have... through their F student visa, mm-hmm. they will have 12 months OPT plus another 24-month STEM extension. So they've got three years, and they've got three potentially three bites at the apple. Okay, so there's the three, H-1B, three H-1B cycles they can go through while right. being here legally, right? Exactly. But that does that does require that they work for an employer who's E-verified. So if, if you are a company that wants to make yourself open and help your foreign national workers... So you have to be Registering e-verified. for e-verify would certainly And that's them. something that you would help with? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so we'd, we'd like to see with organizations that have big populations like the tech companies, we'd like to see as soon as recruitment is working and they're bringing these folks in, we'd like to have all of that information forwarded to us, ASAP, so that we can just sort of start that stream of when are we going to apply, how are we going to apply. And typically these are organizations that are very fluent and familiar with the H-1B program, and they know that they're going to bring folks in and they want to be able to retain them in the U.S. Unfortunately, there are occasions where we might get to the end of that three-year stream and we still haven't gotten an H-1B approval. Start the conversation a little bit earlier for those where we're coming up on that third bite in the apple and we talk about... um, whether or not the person is performing where they need to be performing, is this someone where it's worth thinking about alternatives? If we start thinking about alternatives, we start thinking about where else in the world. Okay, this is where you can now help find this is them where you can a go new out. slot yeah. to go okay. to. Yeah. Or how about getting them married off, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you program that. that's sort of like where I'm at. <laughs> 
getting ready to say. You know, there, there, there are ways to do this. As we always say, <laughs> it is not worth it unless you are truly in love. Okay. <laughs> well, I say that for foreign nationals as well as American citizens. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I think I think the immigration process and the strategy is just so personal for the situation. Mm -hmm. So really, if we can give advice to companies about, you know, what's the best way to handle your immigration program is, is make it a priority. Think about immigration first, you know, all too often we get companies coming to us when their F1 employee is, you know, at the end of that STEM OPT period. So if you really prioritize it and make sure that you come to the immigration yeah. attorney, be proactive, be on proactive this, right? and yeah. let us look at, you know, all of the available strategies, because, you know, there may be strategies that are available on the first year, but not on the third year. of that. Interesting. OPT. Right. So, yeah, as soon as you know, you th someone you think you want to recruit. Make sure you get right. the paperwork started, you get the foundation give laid, give, yeah. give, give you guys a call. Absolutely. So people want to reach out to you. Would they go to the Morgan Lewis website? They can go to the Morgan Lewis website and they'll see that we actually have a pretty robust team. So Laura and I are members of uh, East and West Coast team. Uh, we have a team of about 50. Wow. Uh, who sit in the Washington, D.C. office. Okay. We're supported by... Um, by professional non-lawyer professionals who assist us, mm -hmm. and we have seven attorneys mm -hmm. that work on the East Coast, including mm -hmm. Miami and New York, and then we have our partners on the West Coast, uh, also working considerably with the tech companies on the West Coast, as you can imagine. Um, but yes, you can find us on the website, um, or certainly you can contact us at our email addresses, Shannon dot donnelly at morganlewis.com and laura doc garvin at morganlewis.com i'd also like to say i do attend a lot of steelers games so Let's i'm good. happy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to meet anyone at the steelers game penguins any reason to come back we'll meet you on level c at Huntsville. <laughs> thank you so much as far as it is no, that, that's, that's fantastic and like i said i mean morgan lewis is one of these these law firms i mean just it is like one of these pillars in pittsburgh when it comes to things going on in tech around here i mean they've been locked up with the tech council since our foundation our, our founding right. you know, 36 years ago and uh, i always tell our, our listeners and our, our members out there that like seriously like like your law firm is like your partner like throughout everything you need and you know and immigration now is one of those key things which is just so important because it's the talent that audrey keeps talking about that i stay up at night worrying about and so having you guys stop by is fantastic yeah and i just like to say one thing that i think distinguishes our team and as laura highlighted we we truly are partners with our clients Definitely. we don't yeah. we we run our practice in a way where it's very apparent that we care not only about what the businesses think are important, but also what the, the people definitely. think that are important. And that's something that um, no, it definitely shows, yeah. I think distinguishes mm -hmm. right. our practice. Well, thank you both for the time. Thank you so much thank for you. Thank you for having definitely us. definitely could have deeper conversations about this, but I appreciate all that you've shared with us. And uh, Absolutely. Good well, stuff. Yeah. We need to have you guys come back on sometime yeah. very soon because these Anytime. are topics we've got to keep out there and keep the conversations flowing. Hey, we're taking a quick break. We've got a ton more Tech Vibe Radio coming right at you, I swear. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org and then follow us on Twitter at pghtech. Welcome back. You are listening to Tech Vibe Radio this very Wednesday night. 
final segment of the evening, Audrey. We've got George Potts hanging out with us from the fifth. I know. Who's influence. George Potts? Yeah, absolutely. George, first Hi, off, George. thanks for hanging out with us, man. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here this evening. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to have you here in the studio with us, as far as that is. You've got so, a lot of stuff that you're working on these days. You gave us some serious notes, Audrey. I I'm love it. excited yeah. about this. And it's all We're going to stump you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. It's our new so, segment I mean, called we're, Stump we're, George we're, Potts. We're a social forward digital agency, but right. you you may very well stump us. No. <laughs> so, you're unstumpable, George. So we'll that's see. your pitch? Your pitch is? We're a social forward digital uh, advertising agency. We okay. do a lot in the issue, issue advocacy space, but also in brand marketing. Yeah. And so a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is um, the social media platforms and the rapidly changing landscape in regards mm-hmm. to uh, what you can and cannot do in regards to political advertising yeah. and issue advocacy on this platform. It's so, so much has changed so quickly around this. That's right. So has it really changed? So let's so set the table for us and yeah. tell us what's going on. Well, it's, it's dramatically changed, but let's, let's take a step back a little bit. So if you recall the spring of 2018, in April, Mark Zuckerberg testified um, in front of Congress regarding the 2016 election and Cambridge Analytica and, <laughs> and data sharing. And then you had the ongoing focus on Russian meddling in the 2016 election. So in response, that summer, uh, for the first time, Facebook required advertisers that were going to be advertising for political campaigns and issues. And they actually define issues very, very broadly as opposed to some other social platforms that you need to be authorized to place that advertising on the platform. Um, and then other platforms followed suit. So Twitter and Google also required authorization late summer, early early fall. That had pretty, pretty much been the status quo up until late last fall, November, with the um, increased attention on the 2020 presidential campaign and the recent um, testimony of Mueller and others in Congress in regards to Russian meddling that the platforms decided to make changes and and some radical changes. Twitter made a big announcement in November, um, really unbeknownst to the entire company. The CEO was on a, on a radio show similar to Tech Vibe and announced on that show that they were no longer going to accept political advertising. Right. Yeah, that came, was kind of like, I wish whoa. he would have done yeah. it on Tech Vibe. Yeah, it would have been awesome to be He would have gotten better response. Yeah. It, yeah. Very, very probably. Absolutely. Um, but th- their own political team, did not even know. I was on, I was on my way to wow. Buffalo for a client meeting, and my phone lit up and said, "Hey, do you know the CEO of Twitter just announced they're no longer doing political advertising?" I was immediately on the phone with the political team in Washington D.C. saying, "Well, what does this mean exactly, and when does this take, take place, and so forth?" So they had a gradual change and and did ban all political advertising starting in December. But then other platforms such as TikTok, Snapchat followed suit. LinkedIn never really allowed political advertising, but they got a little bit more specific in regards to what they right. meant by mm-hmm. that. Um, so then from those announcements in regards to banning political advertising, there was a lot of focus on Facebook and Google. Are they going to ban political advertising? Will they allow political advertising? And Google really encompasses YouTube and, and search and, yeah. so, and so forth. And this so, is where all the advertising happens at the end of that's the day right. when it comes to online. That's so. right. And, and so – with the changes, it really dramatically changed what um, 501c3s and brands can do when it comes to advertising around issues. Because oh, wow. Facebook um, 
Facebook still allows political advertising. Google allows political advertising. But they have um, stricter guidelines. So just over the last two months, Facebook required um, everyone that had already been authorized to be reauthorized. So you had to go through a reauthorization process. So you go process. back through the process again. Yes. Yeah. And authorization is two levels. Individuals need to be authorized on Facebook to place issue in political advertising as well as the organization. So there's two levels of authorization in this cool. place. Yeah. I like the sounds of this. I mean, I, I know it's probably a pain in the butt, but at the end of the day, I think this is going to do a lot to help kind of maybe lock some stuff down, right? Yeah. I, I believe it will. Um, Facebook also introduced in 2018 what's called the ads library. So you're able to go in and look for any advertiser and you can – whether they're brand or whether they're political or issue. Okay. You can pull up all the advertising they ever placed on the platform. Oh, and, that's and, cool. I had no see, idea about that. See what the spend was behind that advertising and that's how um, you know, a, a lot of people had done studies of what Trump had done in 2016 – in regards to his election. That's and, a cool and, and level of transparency there. To it's of, awesome. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, and you can see individual ads that were catered to vastly different segments of target audiences in election or for an issue or, or so forth. So it's great transparency. The other thing that Facebook did in response to um, the greater scrutiny is now um, more detailed what are called waivers. So before, you could always see, as you know with a, with a Facebook post, when it's sponsored – it says sponsored, and it has the profile pic of the page okay. that, that is sponsoring the ad. Now there's a very detailed waiver that is, is, has greater, a greater level of context and description in regards to who's paying for the ad and what the purpose of the ad is. All issue and political advertising has to have those waivers, and Facebook personally – when I say personally, they approve each individual waiver – so some of those waivers are approved by algorithm, but others are spot checked. And so, so they got a human being there that's physically yeah. outside the algorithms just making sure. Exactly. So you, you have a lot of organizations that don't understand, number one, that they need to be authorized to place right. issue advertising. Political they know, but when it comes to issue advertising, and, and let me share. Yeah, give an example I'm gonna, of an I'm issue. I'm going to pull up the um, notes here. So Facebook – to find issues, and this is the exhaustive list. Okay. Civil and social rights, anything related to crime, economy, education, environmental politics, guns, health, immigration, political values and governance, security and foreign policy. Huh. Now that's broad. It's very broad, and unlike I mean, that leaves them a lot of wiggle room to. Right. Yeah. Okay. And un- unlike Twitter, so Twitter defines an issue. Related to um, political content, uh, civic engagement, economic growth, environmental stewardship, social equity causes, also broad. But Google actually, you need to reference legislation. So in Facebook, it's very, very broad and legislation doesn't have to be identified um, to be prohibited. On Twitter – you can talk about an issue. But it's like got an, a link to actual legislation? Actually, no. It's okay. the reverse. Oh, okay. You can talk about environmental stewardship, but you can't reference a piece of legislation. Ah, you can't I see. talk about a candidate. You can't talk about a le- – you can't even talk about a government agency. Wow. And so okay. that makes sense. There's vast differences. Most advertisers don't understand. Number one, on all of them, you have to be authorized. So on Twitter, to do issues advertising, even though they ban political – you have to be authorized. So authorization is number one. And then secondly, they have very detailed rules 
in regards to what you can and cannot do. Facebook tends to be the most liberal. Google's the next, and then Twitter is the most locked down. They got the clamps on it, man. Very much so, and so much so that on Twitter, you could be identified as ineligible to run advertising on the platform overall if they've identified you as as being in violation of their advertising rules, such as in political or issue. And that could mean that you're, you're not you try to run advertising and authorized. Or even a landing page. So Twitter takes it as far as the landing page, similar to like weaponry on social platforms. So if you try to um, – you can't advertise a weapon. But say, for instance, you're Field and Stream, okay? And you have an advertisement for uh, uh, a hunting vest. If you go to a landing page that features weaponry um, – that's, that's a no-no. You can't do that. You have to have a separate landing page. Just for the vest. Twitter has applied that same rule now to issues. So say you want to talk about environmental stewardship. If you go to a landing page that references a specific piece of legislation or effort, gotcha. right. you, are, you can't run advertising on the platform. So you have to understand the individual rules by platform, and many organizations don't. Many right. organizations that we work with, they'll say, um, you know, let's talk a little bit and – our advertising is not being improved on Facebook, and they think it may be the 20% rule with images. Mm-hmm. There's too much text. Okay. And we'll just dig in like, oh, well, you didn't apply to – you know, you're not, it's not running because you're not authorized to run advertising in this genre of issues. Or even if you are authorized, your waivers aren't set up properly. They're not approved by, by Facebook. Or in Twitter, your organic content, say, you, you know, say you're Sustainable Pittsburgh – and you're talking about sustainability business practices, but you're referencing certain piece, pieces of legislation um, in your organic tweets. Twitter actually looks at your organic content as well and will rule you ineligible to run. Based af- on that, too. Based on that as well. Wow. Now, so, fa- Facebook doesn't do that. Google doesn't do that. Absolutely, yeah. So essentially, if I'm even writing comments about those things that, are, that have been delineated that you just mentioned in terms of the issues requirement. I may be prohibited from advertising as a result of the language that I've been using. That is possible on Twitter specifically. On Twitter specifically. On Twitter specifically. On Facebook, that would not right. would not apply. Okay. But on Twitter specifically, they are looking at the entire makeup of your presence on the platform. Wow. So, Comments, yeah. organic posts, and then obviously your paid campaign. Yeah. So, so what are the services that you would offer? So if people are you know, fretting about this. How can you help them? Yeah, it's a a great question. So one of the first questions um, we ask when clients are, um, especially 5013Cs that are talking about issue, you know, issues, um, we guide them by platform. So we have cheat sheets, um, even without engaging us. We have cheat sheets that we provide clients and say, okay, here's what you can and cannot do on Facebook and what you need to do in order to advertise in this area. Here's what you can and cannot do on Google. Here's what you can and cannot do on Twitter. And then once we're engaged, we ensure that proper authorizations are in place and maintained. We make sure that on Facebook the proper waivers are in place. And then um, when it comes to advertising itself, in those cheat sheets, there's a lot of specifics in regards to what targeting you can and cannot do. So, for instance, on Google – you cannot um, – when it comes to the, the, the political issue advertising, 
you can't do custom audiences any longer, which means you can't upload an email list. You can't remarket and so forth. Gotcha. You're limited to um, like a state or regional geography. Absolutely. Where in Facebook, you can still do cu- custom audiences. And in Twitter, same type of thing. They have limited targeting. So what we do is we help clients with authorization verification, maintaining waivers in the proper um, approaches to how to do it. And then lastly, lastly, in regards to the um, the parameters for targeting and how to properly set up campaigns. Very cool. And if people want to learn more about Fifth Influence, where can they go? Because you need a partner in this, and you guys can do that. Where can yeah, they learn more? thank you very much. They can go to fifthinfluence.com. Um, very basic website, and it's fifth spelled out, F-I-F-T-H, influence.com. George Potts, you're the best. Thanks for hanging out with Tech Vibe Radio tonight. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Tune in next week for more Tech Vibe Radio. Learn more about the Tech Council at pghtech.org. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.